Good morning. This uh, Dharma talk for this morning is uh, grasping, attachment. The Sanskrit is uh, upadana, or I think that's Pali, and uh, Sanskrit is upadna. Not sure exactly the pronunciation, and Tibetan is uh, lenpa. It's uh, C6, 7, 8, I think it's the ninth one, uh, just before a bhava or becoming. So the idea here is just a way of talking about what happens in consciousness that causes us to <laughs> continue to confuse ourselves. So, so grasping attachment, that grasping of that attachment can be to just about anything, beliefs, uh, ideologies, opinions, uh, pleasure, the the attachment or the grasping can even be to pain. We could uh, there could be questions around that. If you that might be a better way to deal with it rather than just uh, try to explain something out of context. So as you've if you've listened to me very much, you've heard me say many times, it's not about stopping that. <laughs> I mean, it's just so um, um, seductive to see something happening that we know. We've begun to see that that's, we need to work with that. We need to eliminate that. We need to reduce that. We need to, we need to, we need to. So, but that's also attachment. And that's also grasping, grasping for a result. You have something that's difficult, instead of working with that as it is, which can be uncomfortable, uh, because then you would have to go back to, uh, you'd have to go back to it in some way. And this could function differently for other uh, for various people. So I hesitate to do too much with it as far as explaining, because your particular route may be much more circuitous than a person next to you or to someone else. So you can go back the way I would say it is go back to the contact, the actual time when contact. And then from there, it's the feeling. And from there, it's the desire to get rid of that feeling that doesn't feel so good or to get more of that feeling, that's pretty good. Or, or we're indifferent to that feeling. Uh, you might say, so for indifferent, what's the problem? Just that indifference uh, tends to wind us up in, in, a, in, a, um, uh, in a circularity where we tend to ignore everything, but just uh, what we want, what we don't want, and what we don't care about. So contact. That's actually the actual contact of the six sense seals with any of their objects. Uh, that's the area that seems to be necessary to see that, not to stop the feeling. That's too late. You're too far down the uh, turnpike. You have to actually see it when just when you, you could say just when you start, uh, when you have that first initial uh, click of the, to use a more metaphors, click of the ignition, just that click contact. And then the engines of desire begin to roar and come to you through all kinds of things. The causes and conditions that support that situation, that contact, are not just the contact. It's the contact is happening everywhere in your whole entire, not only your sensorium, the sense of taste is echoing with the contact of sound. Those are not two separate things, separated. Otherwise, you'd try to smell out your ears. So separated, but not, not fundamentally. We need to see that carefully, closely, precisely, and in such a way that we don't meddle with it. The, the meddling with it is what reinforces the self-centeredness, the narcissism, the egotism. We, there's plenty of people out in the, in the world today that are 
on the screen or in our face, or maybe uh, maybe they're in our living room, I don't know, that are meddling with everything. And this is a way to keep with the, uh, create the illusion that we're doing, well, at least I'm doing something about it. And you're just sitting there looking at the wall. And what do I say over and over again? Train your mind. Because if you go into any environment and come into contact with any object of consciousness, any of those objects, sight, smell, sound, taste, touch, thinking, hearing, then you are at the mercy of your ignorance about your relationship to that. And so, and your relationship to that, the way it looks here, can only be seen by finding out who you are so that you know, you know who you are. So you, when, you, when, you, when the contact happens, instead of the instant response of me over here and what's happening over there, which I need to stop, um, grasping, uh, uh, um, sensation, um, contact sensation, uh, wishing that it were more of it or less of it, whatever. And then, and then the grasping or the uh, situation where we hold it in place and it becomes our opinion, our idea. And so we, anytime we, anything triggers that we have that, we don't, we don't get to look at it closer because it's like, we're always a um, Republican or we're always a Democrat. So we don't have to investigate that anymore. It becomes something that is about control, usually from others that are trying to control you. So, and not wrong. It's not incorrect. I'm not saying you shouldn't have whatever political situation you're working with, of course. But it's good to have any of those relative attachments that we can't avoid. We have to eat, or I would say it's the way it looks. Uh, so, but be, be aware. The idea is to be aware of what is coming and going rather than have some kind of opinion about it. Because the opinion, though it doesn't look like it, shuts down on the incredible movement of cause and condition and cause and effect that is just a labyrinth, which is an understatement of the all of the things that get together, touch each other, bump into each other, contact, 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 that form all of the qualities that we call, just simply put, just being alive. So it is about seeing seeing the grasping part and then the attachment part of the grasping is you've, you've got it, you've locked down on it. And then we, uh, perhaps the next talk I'll give, maybe maybe on Wednesday will be uh, the next uh, link or an Adana, which would be um, Becoming or Baba. So now, now you've got it. Now now you take it into, into some other dynamic. You actually um, hang on to it. And the, the grasping part is, is so locked in that it, it just starts to become something else because you've actually got on the train. You, you grabbed hold of the train doors and went by and the conductor grabbed you by the scruff of your whatever was left and pulled you in and you went along on the train so becoming and next thing you know you're in another town you're in another reality so again it is about understanding that the through the sitting practice of meditation we begin to become more radical more more um, f- um have a very simple approach to it not, not simple-minded so much. It's just a very simple, direct, just see the contact. Just see when the contact happens and notice, again, uh, one's uh, attention is residing in the awareness of that situation rather than being sucked down into an identification with, with what is being observed, like the feeling. If you're, if you're attached, if that uh, uh, grasping is happening to the feeling itself, 
uh, then that 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 area of uh, um, interdependency is missed. And the, the, it's laid out very simply in 12 steps, but all of these are inter, interfacing with, e with each other. There's a grasping happening in contact. There's a grasping happening uh, as soon as the sense, sense field, uh, the objects in the sense fields arise. There's, there's the contact there before we even get into any philosophy about it or any uh, politics of the experience of that situation. So it seems to be necessary to observe directly, completely, and fundamentally, so that by doing this over time, that understanding begins to, to use the relative word, begins to deepen. We begin to see more deeply into what we thought was this. Now, it isn't exactly that. It actually shows up differently. This is your journey. No one can take it for you. But if you, as it has been said in ancient times, if you want to know your, how to go up the mountain, it's good to talk to somebody who's all over that mountain, who's going up and down and are not isolated, are not a prisoner of any part of the mountain. They don't look away from it. They don't look away from contact. They don't look away from desire. They have not conquered desire. It's just a way of talking about it. I know this has been talked about in ancient times. They can say whatever they want. You can go read that. It's all written, written down. You can listen to somebody else teach. But the way it looks to me, there isn't anything to do. There isn't anything else to do unless you want to say, being more aware of something to do, but that's something that's difficult to measure. So therefore, uh, the, if the one is practicing and been practicing for six months, a year, two years, 20 years, 100 years, and you're still looking for something else by saying, my practice, is this right? Do I have the right teacher? Do I have the right, <laughs> it can be difficult. That's why it's good to have a really mean teacher. That way you'll feel really guilty when you leave. <laughs> Wendy from Traverse City has yes, a question. Yes, Wendy. Wendy. She asks, I've watched myself shut down a lot lately. Does that mm -hmm. shutting down ever wear itself out? So observing yourself shut down is what's to be done. And we, we do that. We strengthen that by practicing watching what the mind does, how it comes and goes. In a time when it might be shutting down a little, but mainly you're, if you meditate enough, eventually you just kind of watch it come and go. There's nothing to... Uh, when I say train the mind, it's about watching how untrained the mind is, watching how you shut down. You don't ever have to stop shutting down. You may you may not be able to help other people with their shutting down if you've gotten rid of yours and you're this wonderful person who's never shut down. So boils down to the fundamental misunderstanding is not the shutting down. It's the belief, the assumption, the grasping, the actual uh, attachment, Ubedana to someone who's shutting down. The, the shutting down is uh, is uh, self-existing. It's just It just occurs, but there's no one doing it. And if there's no one doing it, to go back to the one part of your question there, it tends to fade away. But since there's no one, uh, no one uh, grasping or no one shutting down, then there's no one to really care or add on or t take that and go into another quality which is part of the 12 links to go from that into some kind of grasping at I'm no longer shutting down. So you, you don't really care. It's not that you're dismissive. It's that you're not concerned. Once, once you see there isn't anyone, then you're not concerned whether they're shutting down or not. You're no longer invested in the politics of experience. You no, no longer vote, but you no longer ignore anything. You're not for it. You're not against it. 
and you don't ignore it. The ignoring is the main issue. The grasping is obvious. The, the rejecting is obvious. Shutting down is a little bit more difficult, and that's why it seems to be necessary to bring everything to a halt gently and watch what continues to have energy because that's the area where your personal confusion, um, not just you, Wendy, but anyone. So watch the shutting down. And uh, what's good about that is you're, you're noticing something you've probably been doing most of your life. And now it's becoming more obvious. But use your understanding. Actually make look at the contact with that. You have you're shutting down and then you have a contact with that. The six of the 12 links. You're, anything, time anything happens, there's a, con a contact point. Sitting practice of meditation. Uh, whether, whatever you're practicing. Even mindfulness eventually will... That will show up in that area. It just takes a lot longer if you're doing a, a kind of meditation where you're trying to get somewhere, trying to be a more of a more aware. I teach see how unaware you are, and if you uh, if you go away from that to some kind of conclusion, then you just entered uh, uh, you just left the mountain and found a rest area. Not wrong. Not wrong. maybe you maybe your karma maybe your causes and conditions that have brought you uh, uh, into this kind of a teaching space, learning space, are such that you need to rest a lot. Junshu mm -hmm. has a question. Junshu. How are we prisoners of the mountain? Uh, you think there's a mountain? Mountain is a metaphor. We, uh, Someone who, who is trying to learn this or someone who is uh, endeavoring to teach this, the path of the Buddha's dharma, um, can you, we, we use a metaphor. It's very relative. You want to go to the top of the mountain, talk to somebody who knows about that mountain, who goes up and down all day long. And you, wherever you're at on the mountain, uh, he, she, or there, if you ask them, uh, show, they show right up. But you have to ask. You have to be, put yourself in that. That's your, that's why you're completely free to be confused from now on. Nothing lasts, even confusion just may show up uh, with a different kind of uh, timing aspect to it. Yes. Mayun from France has a question. Ma fille And she says, I'm not sure if this is meaningful in English, but does finding who we are go through an aware oblivion process? Yes. Yes, but it's the awareness of the oblivion that is not exactly oblivion. It's like if you wake up from a good night's sleep, and forget that you just slept, and that's bad. <laughs> My apologies. So it's it's the it's always awareness. So it may show up as uh, some kind of oblivion. Um, someone else may go through uh, through a, a different kind of dynamic. Uh, you personally, I know you quite well, so you personally to even use such a word uh, just tells me that, there, that you're not missing anything. Just continue. You're on the path and it's brightly lit. But whatever you see, don't grasp, don't reject, don't look away. It's your path. Um, a question from uh, Millie. Yes, Millie. Is there a way to observe the feelings without becoming the feeling? So if there's a concern with trying to not become the feelings, uh, this is a way of looking away. So have some work to do. And uh, the way that's done uh, is to sit down, hold still, and watch what moves. It's just like the example I often use and it's been used before is awareness is like a blade. You can't really see it, and it's actually not like a blade at all. But we use that as a metaphor 
rather than using the blade of awareness to go around and, and uh, chop vegetables or mow the lawn or uh, paint the woodwork or interact uh, over supper with friends and, and talk, read books, even Dharma books, anything uh, going on like that. It seems to be necessary at some point to take that awareness that is mixing it up with the thought patterns, the memory, the conditioning, the enculturation, a constant chatter of our world, uh, all of the interactions that are happening, causes and conditions, contact, uh, contact, feeling, craving, attachment, becoming, birth, sickness, aging, and death, round and around. So what are we going to do about that? Well, let's, let's do this. Let's, as the Buddha said 2,500 years ago, his words, uh, probably a lot different, but I'm saying sit down, hold still, and sharpen the awareness. And how do you do that? Sit down, hold still, and watch what moves without getting into a conversation with it, without getting hooked into going off into, into some kind of a, a discursive excursion uh, or vacation from just a wall, just a body, just hands, just a heartbeat, just breathing, just just this present moment, this incredible present moment that, that even the word present moment is a, uh, deceptive. It's not a present moment because there really is no time in the sense that we think of it and try to manipulate our lives using 10 minutes, 20 minutes. See in 20 minutes. No, you won't. You're going to see anybody in 20 minutes. 20 minutes is a, is a device for manipulating people and cultures. If you see it, you're liberated. If you don't see it, uh, as Nagarjuna said, or was it some other guy? No, Dungar didn't said in the second, uh, in the first century of the Common Era, in his praise of Dharmadatu, the cage of your afflictions, the cage of your afflictions are uh, passion, aggression, and I don't see anything wrong. There's no problem. So it's about just looking at, looking at. It. Don't don't manipulate it. Don't do anything with it, and that causes the awareness to sharpen and get stronger and stronger. But if you go in and fuss with it or object to it or meddle with it, and, and I'm saying this, uh, not that there, uh, other teachings aren't valuable, sure. If you're talking to another teacher, do, do as they say or as they suggest or whatever your relationship is. If you're listening to me, pay attention. Listen, at least consider what I'm saying. You don't have to believe it. That would be very disrespectful to believe something I said. You wouldn't be a student of mine. Gyokudo from uh, the monastery has a question. Jade path, Gyokudo. I think it's also as it is garden, too. I think that, that's a private name. Okay, you can talk now. <laughs> is not observing always shutting down? The way you're saying it, yes. But you, you can't uh, uh, particularly, uh, if you're including something in front of you, your uh, your oatmeal or something, and you're and you're not uh, and you're doing that, and you have some kind of thoughts about how hot it is, or how, should I put any sweetener into it, or something like that. Then you're obviously not paying attention to the uh, the hall closet, you know, where there's nothing is happening there, but you're ignoring it. That's just terrible, ignoring the hall closet. No, it's a it's a very it's a very dependently arisen selectivity that we that the ego mind tends to get in the way of and try to get its own way, and it creates suffering. Uh, depending on what one came into this lifetime with, uh, you might be have uh, what they call free and well-favored. Uh, you probably are. You wouldn't be listening to this. There are people who might listen to this and just 
add on their thoughts. Well, this is crazy. Why would you sit and look at a wall turn into a vegetable? I'm going to go back to whatever, anything. I mean, any other kind of activity. Uh, some people will even say, well, I meditate on the golf course. I said, well, that's great. I don't argue with that. Because why? Because the person needs to do that. I'm not here to correct. Unless you're a student of mine, then you might get corrected. Bruce Shane from Elk Rapids has a question. Dragonheart. She asks, what does it look like to be aware of passion, aggression, and ignorance without strategizing or meddling? Yes, uh, it is uh, not separate. You actually see that you can't see anything but yourself, which is not the ego form. Uh, you can't see anything but uh, the Buddha. You can't see anything but awakened mind. You can't see anything but uh, Dharmadhatu, Dharmakaya. Sambhogakaya, Nirmanakaya, Svabhavikakaya, all, all of this uh, happens at once. There's only at once. There isn't before once and after once. You ever hear that phrase? That's why it's not an occurrence, and that's why it's not an experience. It's not separate. So every occurrence you've ever thought was separate, and every occurrence you've ever looked ahead to, you think is going to happen, not separate. <laughs> that's why mind training is so powerful. You have someone... In my situation, I say, train your mind, go do it. And then you would ask questions like you just did, and then I would try to help you with that aspect of it so you could be more or less constrained when you go sit down, okay, Sogazan said, or my teacher, whomever that may be, said, just just look, just observe, just practice. Just practice, practice from now on forever. And at some point, the boundary between meditation and post-meditation will vanish. And you may you may practice meditation, you may not. You quite often have people, as I do, do you, how much do you practice? <laughs> it depends on who it is that says that. Sometimes I'll say, I don't practice. What would I practice? And so, or some other times I would say, I've never stopped practicing. I've, I've never been able to get up away from that wall. Or then there's five or six other responses that might show up with a question. Yeah. It's very windy here. This is what a tree looks like. When it moves. Junshu has a question. Junshu. Pure appearance. It's um, a, a bit of a length, lengthy question. <laughs> I'll give you a lengthy answer. <laughs> Does the degree to which anger arises in us in response to watching something negative indicate how much we are hiding out from that in ourselves? For example... If I watch someone manipulate another and feel very angry, does that indicate my own unexamined tendency to manipulate others? Uh, to some extent, to some extent, there is some prajna or some insight happening here about that dynamic. And But it sounds like there's also a hidden area that's shut down where you've not made friends with yourself. And when you see someone else mistreated, you tend to identify with that. And, uh, you, you know, that's good. You should identify that. There's a relative kind of compassion happening, but you're missing the compassion of the person who's manipulating. That person is even more stressed because they're actually hiding out from their own stress by shoving it onto somebody else through manipulation. So you're, you're doing pretty good there because you're, you're sympathizing, but that's a, that's a lower level form of compassion, one where you, where you feel a little bit better because you're healthy and okay and that poor fool over there is has really bad karma. So include, include, don't, don't, don't exclude and don't, don't go to that internal warfare that, that thinks there's a right and a wrong. That's a misunderstanding. Pratitya samudpada, 
dependent origination needs to be understood deeply. You don't have to necessarily study it. Oh, I think it's a good idea to study the teachings down through the centuries that talk about that. But you're, you're, you've got part of it, but you're, you're, there should be profound. When I say should, I'm just saying the part that you're missing, it seems, the way in which you're asking the question, is the deep suffering that one who is um, manipulating themselves, even someone who is a terrible tyrant who takes a whole country to war or creates terrible chaos, they're suffering too. And they're, they're, they want to be happy too. It's just uh, because of what's happened to them, causes and conditions have propelled them into a space where there's a, an intense self-centeredness that just wants to, the only way it can be happy is to make others unhappy, to give the unhappiness that rises in their sensorium or their mind or their kinds their mind stream and give it to somebody else. Here, you take this for three lifetimes. I'm sick of it. And this is why the Bodhisattva path or the Bodhisattva uh, vows will, if you receive these vows, eventually you'll find yourself in all of those realms, not trying to correct them, but to save all beings who are stuck there. You may have to go into hell. You may have to go into heaven. You may have to go in. You may have to just stay in the human realm and listen to stupid conversations. You know what I'm talking about. Juzan from the monastery has a question. Yes. Is grasping fixation? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it kind of some some of the grasping is an actual, an active kind of regrasping, grasping, regrasping. But then some of it, once we get depends on the dynamic that's happening there, like an opinion is a fixation. And even if it's relatively correct, I mean, if there's a strong relativity where you know, most people, um, you know, it's so strong that people just believe it. They don't investigate it anymore. And, and, and there's so many levels of it. And it's not about getting rid of it. Again, it's about seeing the fixation. And one of the ways, a way of seeing this is traditional way. It's not anything I invented, uh, is to go back through the Nidanas. And so I'll, I'll keep going on with these, uh, I think I started with contact and we'll go up through uh, uh, over the next few weeks or not. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll do something else. Um, but through uh, up to uh, Jara Marana, sickness, aging, and death. And then, then maybe we'll go back and do uh, um, Avijja or ignorance, supposedly the first one. Uh, Michael Stoltz from Battle Creek has a question. Certainly. He asks, is there a difference between receiving and contact? So, yes, uh, one of the things I say in teaching is just receive. And, yes, that's but, – but have to watch it because if you set up some kind of a dynamic where you confirm that you're – if you're confirming that you're receiving, this is not receiving. This is a, this is a uh, shutting down on the receiving with a credential I'm receiving. There's no way you can know that. You can have the intention – but you're not going to get the, you're not going to get the credential because we, you actually, are clo- if you give, if there's a credential, then you actually, cl- you've stopped receiving and you st- you started thinking, you've gone through all of them right up to fixation. It'll feel like you don't know anything. It'll feel like you have no idea what to do next and you won't because there is no next. Junchu has a follow-up question to her, hers a minute ago. She mm-hmm. asks, how do we have compassion for the manipulator when it feels very difficult to do that? All you have to do again. All you have to do is notice that you don't have it. That's that's a that's pretty powerful. That might be all you can do. Some people are so difficult and so 
determined to torture others or make things uh, difficult or manipulate or control so much that maybe the only thing you can do is notice your ne- the, how that triggers negativity in you. But as far as but don't abandon the negativity uh, and get a little uh, breather out of it by blaming either yourself for not seeing that kind of shame or pride that you're at least you're not as bad as they are. At least you don't do that. You might have problems, but at least I don't do that. I'm not a horrible person like they are. You know what I'm saying? We, we add on, we tend to just stay with the contact, stay with the initial feeling that comes up of abrasiveness. Because that, that emotion doesn't belong to anybody. Any, any emotion you have or anyone has, is, you don't own that. You don't own anything. And especially if you're in this lineage, you've, you've left home. You're a lever of home. That doesn't mean just a physical home. You might be uh, working at Walmart and uh, have a family and and uh, and be practicing Buddhism. You left home. You practice Buddhism, at least the way it looks to me and the way I teach it. I don't care whether you are in uh, New Zealand, <laughs> which I just uh, talked to Tubton in New Zealand yesterday. Chisho from Houston has a question. He asks, am I grasping when I ask a question? Of course. But we're not trying to get rid of these. We're not trying to be one who never grasps. It's awareness of the grasping. And what happens then, Chisho, is then we we actually, you could say we kind of collapse uh, voluntarily because of our, our awareness, our compassion, our deep understanding of who this is and who this is starting to show up as, we collapse back three and a half inches into Pratijasamutpada or dependent origination, we start to actually dance with the reality that we were uh, that we were uh, objecting to, objecting to our emotions uh, as if they were ours, as if we had some say so. Be genuine, be who you are, have your emotions. If crappy emotions come up, I don't say own them; they're not yours. Just observe. They they won't be able to find a self, but what will be liberated is uh, your personal individual karma that's been covering up Buddha nature collapses, comes, ends up being in shreds and pieces and just falls all over the place. There's nothing but this brilliance that is Buddha nature that you can't find a self. So there, there's no pride. And if there is pride, it's without a self. If there is shame, it's without a self. And it may have to go on for three or four lifetimes or 18 and a half days. You don't mind. Laura from Traverse City has a question. Hi, Laura. She says, the more I meditate, the more frustrating, confusing, and futile it seems, especially lately. Any advice? Um, but the only advice I actually have is uh, keep going. But don't, you know, even though I want people to meditate a lot, I, I don't want you to kind of, like overdo it. And so uh, don't get too pushy. With it, so and then this time where we're we have all of us seem to have more time because of the current circumstances and the uh, with the COVID nineteen, you know you could you could change change things up a little bit, maybe meditate more more periods of shorter time or or one really really long period, change it up a little bit like that, as it says in Atisha's seven points of mind training, one of his slogans there is of the fifty nine is change your attitude and relax as it is. So change your whole attitude about something and just relax into that. And that doesn't necessarily mean change to a good attitude. He doesn't specify that. It was very kind of him to keep his thoughts to himself. Uh, 
Richard Taylor from Battle Creek has a question. Richard. He asks, can something from a prior life cause resistance in the current life? Of course. Yeah, there, there's the lifetimes don't belong to anybody. We say, well, it was my my past life. Well, you could say that because it's a, an expedient way of talking about it, but it doesn't really belong to anyone. It just looks like it does. So, yes, there are lifetimes. You, you could be experiencing things right now from a future lifetime. Now, if that isn't puzzling, <laughs> and how can I say that with, you know, as if it was true or something? So it's both true and untrue. And why is it true and untrue? It's because it's true relatively because we use time all the time. No pun intended. We use time all the time. We use it to get to the refrigerator, get out in the yard and and uh, chase the squirrels or yell at the neighbors. <laughs> we use it all the time. So using is, uh, is good. You should use time, but don't be used by it. Don't be used by the time. What does that mean? It means that you grasp at the concept of time and you think you're going to die. And you are. The body mind is going to die. So as far as a past life, future life, consciousness is everywhere. It's just for a temporary length of time. Might be 20 years, 50 years, 100 years. Who knows how long time, again, using us. And uh, while that's the case, you can actually realize that uh, the amazing thing is when the mind, if you think you're, this body mind is you, when the body mind goes back into the elements, that unis, the grasping, this actual uh, uh, attachment to a self actually goes with it. And then, then we, that consciousness looks around for something else to show up. And you might be a squirrel. You might be a, uh, might be someone on another planet. You might, it might individuate in that way for a length of time in an organism. How do I know that? I don't know that. That's how I know it. It's, a, it's not science at least of the level that needs proof. If you're looking for proof, then you're going to be pretty disappointed. Shoto from the monastery has a question. Certainly. He asks, is the brilliance of Buddha nature visible like light? Well, it needs to be as far as the path. But uh, any kind of uh, uh, fruition, we want to use that word of uh, realization of what this is, it's neither light nor is it dark. You've seen the little yang and yin symbol. Somebody a long time ago thought, how can I teach somebody this? See, I'll catch a black squirrel and a red squirrel. No, black squirrel and a white squirrel, and I'll chain them together. <laughs> no, I'll hook them together so they go in circles, and then people will get the idea. On second thought, I'll just draw a little picture of a circle, black and white, black and white. Not two. It's not two. Awake and asleep, living and not living. Questions in that area are good. They, they, they bring out responses that I'm interested in hearing myself because I hear what I say at the same time you do. I don't think ahead of anything. If I did, um, you wouldn't listen to me very long. Juzan uh, has another question. Is, is rushing always a misunderstanding? Again, we come back to, to rushing to get something done. It's about the awareness of that because we, we don't necessarily want to shut that down and say, be a person who doesn't rush. Or I need to stop rushing. So I, I sometimes say uh, I'm, not in a, I'm not in a rush or anything. But at the same time I say that, uh, I also hear in my mind's ear, yes, you are. You want that to happen. And then I look at it and say, well, I guess I kind of do. I guess I must have lied. Always about awareness. Don't improve. I'm not saying there won't be something that will show up as 
a deeper, deeper understanding, but it comes out of no self. So there's no credential. There's no pride there unless there's pride. There's no shame there unless there's shame. There's no life unless there's life. There's no death unless there's death. You have to realize it. If you realize it, you're liberated. What is liberated? I don't know. Not a person. Shadow has another question. Are we looking to upset our identification with movement versus stillness? This versus that? Not upset it. Just see it. It may get upset, but you're not going to get credit. It may never get upset. And you're not going to get blamed. Just just observe. Just observe. See if, see if things really move. That's why I say sit down, hold still, watch the movement. Because there's plenty of movement. When you first get on this path, there's all kinds of movement. There's all kinds of karma that you've been ignoring, stuff you've been ignoring, not only in this lifetime, but way back. You've been a, you've been connected with this human adventure for many, many eons. So I needed to hear what I'm saying, so I said what I needed to hear. Shadow has a follow-up question. He asks, what is fundamentally still? Movement. See how long I took to think about that? Let's see now. What would be a really good existential approach to that? You knew that before I answered it. Wendy has another question. Wendy. Is awareness in hindsight the same as awareness in the moment? I don't think it's exactly the same, but there's a a lot of times that we, because the awareness is being, um, way of talking about it, being being developed or prioritized, so we're, we're more about the space in which things occur rather than the things themselves. So using the word hindsight, sometimes we, we realize that we were, by, by just contemplating uh, things that are happening in our life, realize that the conversation we just had with our, with our spouse or with our boss or with our child, or that, yeah, I was kind of, uh, I wasn't really listening to them. So a little bit of hindsight there. I, I actually was just thinking about what I was going to say to them as they were talking. So I don't really know exactly what they said. You might even find yourself going back and say, you know what you said a few minutes ago? Could you repeat that? I think I was, I think I was spaced out or something. You could do that, and actually, it's, it might help your relationship a lot. And then, if you wanted to disagree or take exception, then you could do it out of some kind of clarity about it. But I think the hindsight thing works to some extent. And then there's the other kind that comes from the other direction, which is not out hind. What is the word for that? Foresight. Foresight. Yeah, I knew it was a number. I'm not good with numbers. Hind is not a number. Why don't they say it? Three sight and foresight. Yeah, then, yeah, that that'd be worse. What you silly? Yes. Juzan has another question. You would have another question. Why can't you say what you need to hear without someone asking you to? Because I'm predominantly absent. I'm not here unless you ask me a question. Then something shows up here to respond. Shoka has a question from the monastery. He asks, is there movement without some thing moving? So the, the movement appears to us as, as actual because uh, we, we impute or give uh, us the solidity to the identity of otherness, uh, other. The third turning teachings in Buddhism talk about empty of other. Everything's empty of its otherness. It's just a negative way of saying not separate, which is also somewhat negative. It's difficult to posit some kind of positiveness like this because it creates such a powerful opposite. And then it creates a warfare. And this is uh, this is why uh, a theistic uh, religions uh, tend to, they don't, there's nothing wrong with it, they're just doing that. They tend to 
strengthen good and evil. You have to be good. You have to fight evil. And those are just energy. You can't have one without the other. Chisho has mm -hmm. um, a question. Yes. Are you grasping when I ask a question? Of course. I couldn't teach if I didn't grasp. If I was a non-grasper, like I'd attained a state of no, no more grasping, then I would be much superior to you, and I would scold you for grasping and try to get you to be more like me. Be a non-grasper. Just don't grasp. You don't really need to grasp. Just do what I do and just don't grasp. Is that what, is that what you meant? <laughs> You don't have to stop or start doing anything, but you have to realize what's happening. This is what wall gazing is about. Sit down, hold still, and watch what is real and what is unreal. See it yourself. Don from Virginia asks, are, yeah. are grasping and consciousness interdependent? So consciousness is uh, uh, has lots of different uh, qualities and aspects and so on, but the, the open dimension in which anything occurs, including uh, grasping, uh, is uh, is from the point of view of the grasping and from the point of view of the object and the singularity, which is imputed or believed in, uh, just like we believe in someone who is grasping something, we believe in the thing we're grasping, that it's there and it's separate and we can get it and move it. Well, that whole dynamic happens in a space we call uh, consciousness. And the way we work with that is to see the see what that is by watching what it does. We see We eventually see that it is uh, perception only. And when you see that it's perception only, that then the subjectivity uh, dissolves and the objectivity dissolves, and then the actual thing itself dis dissolves into the consciousness, which has never been separate from. So the object in the consciousness, the sound in the ear, and where it's coming from are not two different things. They are it's just a basic teaching, not something that I'm invented. It's called dependent origination, pratitya, samutpada. But, but it has to be seen. You can't just think about it. I mean, you could think about it, but then you just become a scholar, which is not wrong. I love scholars. We need scholars. We study all the time. Study the concepts. It gives the ego something to do while it's uh, slowly vanishing in the distance. The acid of awareness dissolves everything. It just... So then it's just not separate from the acid anymore. It's not separate from consciousness. But you have to do it. It might take you several weeks. It might take you several years, lifetimes. It doesn't matter. Start now. Do it. I'll help you. Uh, we have no more questions. We can go okay. ahead and... Thank you very much for joining us. We'll dedicate the merit. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The Ten Directions, the Three Worlds, all Buddhas, all Venerable Ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the Great Prajna Paramita. To the Buddhas of the Ten Directions.